Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. I'm glad you made it. It's Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, and you're here. You're here, and you're here. And I want to say thanks for coming. And this is going to be the wrap-up of our relationship series. And man, I'm so glad we've been on this journey together. And I want to share something with you if you are new. Uh, first of all, I'm John. I'm lead pastor here. I'm glad you came. But you've stepped into a, a period of time where there's something going on in our church. And in particular, what that is is real connection that's been happening. I want to just celebrate something for a minute. Do you know that right now... There are more than 60% of the people in our church as adults that are in a connect group at this time. I think that's amazing and something to celebrate. It really is a powerful, healthy, good thing to experience coming together in a group where we're getting to know each other. And, and I'm praying and hoping that many of us have begun to experience some good things in the groups that we have been a part of. Literally, a majority of us are in a group right now. And, and that means that a lot of us, we've, we've gotten together with some people and we found some, uh, some wonderful, wise people that we're getting together with. And, and because of that, we're growing. And others of us, we're, we're in a group, and, and we, we, we got together with some people, and we, we find ourselves just wondering, like, w- wondering, like, when, when are they going to stop talking? Because I would also like to say something. And we're growing in, in our patience, you know? Some of us were in a group with, uh, with some people that um, look, looked at the beginning like they had it all together, like everything was perfect. But then after a few weeks, you began to discover, like, oh, man, we're just... We're like one another. We all have our stuff we're we're working on. And we're all, I hope to God, experiencing some of God's goodness and growing in these groups. And for me, um, I joined a new group uh, five weeks ago or four weeks ago. And uh, it's been a great experience to just be uh, hanging out every Monday night. And and in my group, I didn't know this. An added bonus was uh, that they do do dinner. They do food at this group. And so get a little dinner before we get into the time together. That's been amazing. Um, For me, it it wasn't until this past week, four weeks in, that it finally happened. And what I mean is that um, I came in on this particular last Monday night kind of heavy-hearted, kind of struggling a little bit, and uh, something that had happened that I was kind of wrestling with inside. And uh, at the beginning of the group, uh, one of the the guys in the group just asked, John, how are things for you? And the truth is that if it had been a month earlier, if it had been four weeks earlier, I probably would have just done that thing where you go, fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, you know? But it had been four weeks. In four weeks, we've been, you know, I'm sitting on the family room floor, kind of laying down on the floor, like talking about deep things and getting to know each other's stories a little bit better. And so that week, four weeks in, there had been a little bit of trust that had grown, some real relationship had developed. And so when this brother asked, John Howard, things for you, I found myself saying, you know, to be honest, because I felt I could be, to be honest, I'm really struggling. I'm really wrestling with something. And then I told them about what was going on for me. And even that right there, just sharing what was going on for me and finding a a group of people looking at me with some empathy, kind of nodding their heads and going, man, that alone was awesome and good and healthy. 
But then this brother said, you know what, let's pray for John right now. And then all of a sudden, there's a group of five or six people surrounding me, putting a hand on my shoulder and beginning to pray and saying, God, help him. And you know what? They were praying righteous prayers. And by that, I mean they were praying loud. And I love that. I love a good, loud prayer. I can hear an amen to, right? And so at the end of that time, it's not that the thing that I was wrestling with went away, but the darkness that was climbing over my head did. Do you know what I'm talking about? And just being able to be in that group with a group of people praying, listening, caring, lifting the burden, man, that changed the atmosphere for me. And I'm praying and hoping that for many of us, that's what we're beginning to experience more of. And if you are uh, here right now and you're going, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not in that 60%, you're in the 40, and it's time to get connected. And if you want to just go to our website and click on mycenterpoint.tv uh, my and connect, there's a, literally a button at the top of the page, and it'll help you uh, find your way into a group. And we've got a team ready to help make that happen. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the scriptures today, and I want to just tell you that this experience of community is something that is God's design for each and every one of us. So uh, we're going we're gonna to spend time in Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to spend time in Hebrews chapter 10. If you're the kind of person who likes to look things up and get ready, that's what would be Acts 2 and Hebrews 10. But... But even before that, I want to just start at the beginning of the Bible. And in the beginning of the scriptures, this is what, what jumps out at me at the very beginning. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the, the word of God says, God said, and this is on the sixth day of creation after making everything else, God said, let us make human beings in our image, to be like this. Hold that on the screen for a minute. I want you to read that with me. Ready? Go. Say it. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. To be like us. Say it. To be like us. What are we talking about? What we're talking about is revelation. What we're talking about is that God, keep that on the screen for a moment, because I want it to permeate our hearts, that God speaks and says, let us create and let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God is revealing something about himself, that God exists forever, eternally, as one God Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in a perfect relationship, in a real community. That's in the nature and character of God. But what did God say about you? That he was going to make you, because you are a human being in his image, created to be in community. And that's what comes next in verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. You and I are created in the image of God. God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, eternally one God in three persons, and you're made in the image of God. And so there's a kind of a primordial cry from deep within you to experience being connected, being in community, because you're made in the image of the one who is himself, perfect community. You're made for community. You're, you're better in community. You're better together because it's part of the image of God in you. Okay, so that's where we begin and then, just if you could, just kind of zoom out for a moment. And if you're familiar with the Bible, this will resonate with you. If you're new to it, this is a broad brushstrokes view. But, but God creates human beings in the Garden of Eden, this perfect place designed for perfect experience of community. And then, long story short, 
The human experience continues with the fall and then the, the work of God to, to call his people together. And the human story unfolds with uh, Noah and the flood and the Tower of Babel and all of those things. But then God chooses one particular human being, Abraham, and calls Abraham into the promised land to develop a family community that would reflect that original design of God. And so Abraham goes, and you get the stories in the scripture, Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, and Jacob, and, and it's the community of God's people. And if you look at the scriptures, what you find is that that family community isn't perfect. I mean, you've got all kinds of crazy stories. You've got Abraham lying about his wife being his sister, and you've got Cain and Abel killing each other. I mean, I'm not trying to say that the community that's reflected in the scriptures is always perfect. It isn't, but it's part of the design of God that we would yearn for, lean into, move towards connecting with each other. And so God's got Abraham creating this, this family community, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then there's the story of Joseph, and, and then ultimately you get the 12 tribes of Israel. Are you tracking with me? You get the 12 tribes of Israel, and God chooses to reflect his image in the earth by calling together not just one, but a, a community of families that would reflect the connection that God has in mind for people. And, and, and you trace the story on through the, the kings and the good and the bad and the ugly and the kings and the prophets and the prophets were, were foretelling this time when a new community would be forged, when Messiah would come. And then it happened. It happened. The Messiah came. And when he was uh, first on the scene, I mean, people maybe just knew him as, as Rabbi Yeshua ben Yusuf, right? Rabbi Jesus Josephson, you could think of it. And, and he began just teaching, but it was more than teaching. He was reflecting God's design for community again. And Jesus, you think about it. King Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, Savior Jesus. He called together the three, James, John, Peter, to be close and personal. He, he took the 12 on that journey together of creating a community. And then he conquered death. He rose from the dead, and the church was born. And the promise of God was kept and you're here as a result of it. I, I want you to just think about that for a moment. Like the broad sweep of scripture and the story that is unfolding, and you're a part of it. I want you to just say, I'm part of it. I'm part of it, I'm part of the story God is writing in this world. And that story includes you being connected in a real community with each other. You weren't meant to be doing this alone. You weren't meant to be trying to stand by yourself in this world. God's design reflected throughout his word is for you and me to find each other, to find each other and learn how to link arms with each other and figure out how we get each other's back somehow and to become a community together. So I'm going to turn now to Acts chapter 2. And the church was born when this moment unfolded where the fire of God came. And then this is what we read in Acts chapter 2. It says, all the believers, everybody say all the believers. And we'll keep that on the screen. You believer? Then this is saying something somehow about you too. But in the very beginning when the church was born, it says all the believers 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I love that. And don't you love that? That is what you're a part of. We read it in the Bible, but it didn't stop in the Bible. It continues right here, right now. Now, let me just go back to verse 42 again with you. Let me just ask you if this resonates with who you are. Verse 42 said, all the believers devoted themselves. Everyone say devoted themselves. And so I'm going to ask you to just check in with yourself for a minute. When you read about the, the biblical description of all the believers, and you've, you've said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm also a believer. Do these phrases describe something about your life and approach to an experience of God and his kingdom? Because the Bible says all the believers devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. And this is part of what's at the core of what we do together, is that we gather around the teaching of God's word. And we say, God, uh, the world's got all kinds of opinions and preferences that they're throwing at me all the time. But Lord, I'm under your word. And I will live my life under your word. I will allow the teaching of the apostles, the scriptures, the holy word of God, to define my life, to give me what I need, to feed me, to prompt me, to motivate me, to move me. I'm devoted to it. I'm devoted to it. I'm devoted to it. I'm saying I'm devoted to it. I don't know if I'm the only one in here, but I'm devoted to it. I'm devoted to the word of God being authoritative in my life, showing me where to go, informing what I should believe. I'm devoted to the apostles' teaching. We're devoted to the apostles' teaching. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. It's a word that it's got to mean something to us, that we decide this matters. Not just sitting in rows listening to one person, but, but learning how to link arms and circle up and become in, involved in each other's lives, where we're learning how to care for each other. We're learning how to, to pray for each other for real. We're learning how to love one another while we're loving our God. And, and we get to do that even on a Sunday morning, but we get to do it even better when we get into, a, into somebody's family room like what I described at the beginning of this message. But, but I'm devoted to it. I'm devoted to the apostles' teaching. I'm devoted to the fellowship. I'm not backing out on it. I'm not bailing out on it. I'm devoted to it. Say, I'm devoted to it. I'm devoted to it. You see what I'm doing here? I'm looking for you to come into agreement with me. You'll be so silent for so long. I'll just keep repeating it until you come along. I'm devoted to the apostles' teaching. I'm devoted to the fellowship. And it's just to the sharing of meals. Now, that takes, you, that takes you someplace, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you're at somebody's kitchen table together. And you're not looking all prim and proper because crumbs are falling out of your mouth. And you spilled your drink. And then you got to go help clean the dishes, too. And it's just different, right? And you experience each other differently when you step into that kind of life together. And when the scripture says they devoted themselves to, to, to the, the sharing of meals, it says including the Lord's Supper. Yes, we're going to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus with communion. But it's not only about that. And to prayer. Devoted themselves to. I'm devoted to praying. I'm devoted to praying, not silently alone, but praying out loud where my voice can be heard and your amen can come alongside me. I'm devoted to coming into the presence of God together with brothers and sisters, lifting burdens off of somebody, breaking bondage off of somebody. We're devoted to that. 
Uh, we're devoted to that. We're devoted to it. You know what? This word, this word is important because for a lot of us, we, we kind of settle for something. We settle for coming to church, but that's only part of the picture. God's looking for you and me to be people who from our heart decide this really matters. It's part of how I'm going to grow. It's part of how I'm going to stay strong spiritually, and I'm devoted to it. Another way to express that would be I'm committed to it. I'm committed. And this is my message today just in a, in a resolve, as a statement of resolve that I hope would be transmitted into every single one of us. And it's simply this. I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. That's my message. I hope you'll say it with me and believe it with me. Ready? Say it. I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. Say it again. I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. Building strong community. Building strong community. Building something uh, requires a sense of design. Building something requires uh, some, some effort. And all of you know that I always love a good DIY project. <laughs> You've heard about every single one of them. I love it. And so well, for me, that means I watch a lot of videos online about how to do the different kinds of projects. And so I, I guess I search for those kind of things so much that anytime I turn on Instagram, the things that pop up in my reels, all of them are about how to build something, how to fix something, how to do a floor, how to do better countertops. How to, it's all that kind of stuff, one after another. This past week, one of those videos popped up on my feed, and it was a video of, of somebody showing you how to build a wall out of two by fours, the studs behind it. And it, it, it was explaining why not to use screws and why you have to use nails and the right kind of nails. And it showed this video. It showed a, a two by four being screwed together with screws. And then they took that thing and did a little you know, work like this on it. And boom, those screws just snapped. <laughs> Something about the way screws are, they just snapped. And that wall would become tumbling down because of that sheer force that came against it. Then the, the, the two by fours that were put together that were built with, with nails the shear force was applied, and it just stayed. It's just going to stay and stay. It might bend, it might flex a little, but it's going to stay, even when that shear force comes against it. And I'm talking right now about what are you going to build in your life? Are you going to build a flimsy surface level? Now, we just go and show up once a month and maybe you know, wave our hand at somebody. That's building with screws. They're going to snap when the force comes. I'm talking about let's build with nails. When we talk about this community stuff, let's nail this. I had to say that. Let's nail this. Let's nail this. But let's build something that's going to last and that can actually endure the sheer force that does come. Because it's going to come. The sheer force, that moving this way and that way that can come again. It's going it's to happen. And what's going to hold you together is what you've built with your faith community where God is at the core and you're knitting something together with other brothers and sisters that's going to last, that's going to stand the test of time. And so I, I, want, I want you to come to the scriptures with me in, in Hebrews right now. So Hebrews, we're turning there to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. So many places in scripture that talk about relationships and community but for some reason, this week, this is where God led me. And I hope you'll take it to heart. Hebrews 10, verse 20, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. Let us, let us, let us. Three times. Did he jump out at you? He jumped right out at me. Let us, let us, let us. Everybody say, let us. Okay, now I want you to look around at somebody other than me right now and say, let us, dot, dot, dot. Let us, dot, 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 whatever it might be, it's not you alone, it's not me by myself. It's not that person over there alone to be ignored and forgotten, it is us. It's you and me finding ways to come into one another's life with love, care, and support, and be in there, and not bailing. Let us, somebody shout it, let us. Let us. Now we'll fill in the blanks with what we're going to be about. Let us. But it starts with a recognition that God's plan forever has included your spiritual life being strengthened in your spiritual family. And and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next 15 minutes. But what I recognize is it it takes some effort. It takes some work. It takes some intentionality. Verse 23, one more time. Why don't you read this with me? Ready, go. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. I'm talking about nails that are holding this together. I'm holding tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. You you know, I've... I've been paying attention over the last few years to the different kinds of journey of, of spiritual life that people share about. And one of the things that pops up here and there again and again is this word or this idea called deconstruction. And people will share about deconstruction of, of their faith. And it's not a beautiful thing. It's a difficult thing. And I find myself kind of kind of bothered by it, to be honest. What I know is that in a real life of faith, there are always going to be instances where I'm, I'm facing something and the struggle is so difficult, the trial is so, uh, so tough that, that I find myself doubting. I find myself wondering. And I, I think about what's happened in a church or in this group or whatever, and I find myself doubting. But what I recognize is that, that my doubts don't tend to increase my experience of God's goodness. My doubts don't tend to lead me into a deeper experience of God's faithfulness. My doubts tend to lead me astray. And, and I'm, all I know is that the Bible doesn't say, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, hold tightly to those doubts. That'll really help you. I don't hear that in the Bible. I hear the scriptures inspired by the Spirit of God saying, hold tightly to the hope you affirm. Hold tightly to the hope you affirm. You know what this tells me? This tells me that there is an enemy called the devil who would like to come alongside and rip it out from me. The hope that I affirm, the faith I profess, and if I'm holding it loosely, like, I don't know, I really don't know if I believe, I don't know, it's gone. And here's what I know. I know that when doubts arise, and I don't have to do much work to get doubts to arise, they come along uninvited whenever they want to. When doubts arise, I have this option. One option is to just give in to those doubts and to decide I'm going to embrace and hold tightly to the doubts. I've already explained that I don't think that does much good in the end. 
But what I can also do is say, you know what? There are some doubts, but I'm going to doubt my doubts. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take those doubts and I'm going to process them out. I'm going to find some brothers and sisters, some believers, some people with faith, and I'm going to talk about those things and, and, and I'm going to process them out of myself. I'm not going to hold tightly to those things. I'm going to take those things and I'm actually going to put them down on the ground at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Every one of my doubts, I'm laying them there before him. They're real. They came. They happened. I process them. I'm putting them down. Why? Because I can't hold tightly to my doubts and hold tightly to the hope that I affirm at the same time. It's like trying to hold fire and ice. It's going to be a mess. And so I take my doubts. They're there. They're real. I process them out. I put them on the ground at the foot of the cross of Jesus. I didn't deny them, but I'm not holding on to them. I am instead choosing to hold tightly without wavering to the hope that I affirm because God is faithful to keep his promises. That's what I read in his word, and I'm believing him for it. So choose it. Would, would, you, would you just decide, I'm going to hold on to the hope I affirm? I'll tell you about the hope that I affirm. I'm affirming a hope that in Jesus Christ there's salvation. I affirm that hope, that there is salvation in Jesus Christ. That is to say, there's salvation. I'm not trying to uh, equal out the scales and add a little bit more good deeds. I'm not trying to earn myself a place into God's good grace. I'm, I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me. I'm putting my hope in that. I'm putting my hope in the fact that there is forgiveness of sins, that every single day, God's mercies are new for me, and he's willing to wash away the guilt and the stain and the shame of sin. He's good like that. And I'm putting my hope in that, that I affirm the profession of my faith. I'm putting my hope in the reality that God is willing to place his Holy Spirit in me to empower me to keep on going when things get hard, to keep on persevering when I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm holding my hope in that very tightly. I'm holding hope. I'm holding hope tightly that when I die, there is a home for me for all eternity in heaven, that God is not leaving me to rot in the grave and burn in hell, that he is inviting me into a home forever in heaven. I'm going to hold tightly to that hope. I'm not letting that go. Devil can't have that. I'm holding tightly to that. Somebody say, I'm holding tightly to that. I, I'm holding tightly to that hope. <laughs> I'm holding tightly to that hope. I want you to do something with me for a second. See, I read these words, I'm, it, let us, let us, and this implies that this is something we don't do alone. Yeah. Let us, I mean, something I, I'm kind of going to be there for you as you hold, and you're going to be there for me as I hold, but there's a verb that's used here, let us hold tightly, and I want to do something physical right now. Sometimes in, in the scriptures, you find uh, something called a prophetic act. And I want to take a moment and just do a prophetic act. And I want to think of all of the hope that I just described. All of those hopes. All of the hope that I affirm of the forgiveness of sins, of heaven itself, of the power of the Holy Spirit, of the salvation that's a gift from Jesus, of, of, of a community together where love abounds. I want to hold on to that hope, and I want to actually hold it tightly. And I want, to do, I want to invite you to do it with me. Imagine all of that hope. And I don't know where that hope lives inside of your body. Maybe it lives up in your brain, or maybe it lives in your vagus nerves, or, or maybe it lives in your second brain that's in your gut. You can read about that later. But 
just would you take a moment right now and humor me on this, hold it tightly. Like put your hands on yourself where that hope might live and, and just hold it tightly for a second. Hold it tightly. And would you just say, I'm holding tightly to the hope I affirm. <laughs> say it again. I'm holding tightly to the hope I affirm. <laughs> God, I affirm this hope that you have a gift for me called salvation, and I hold tightly to it. I'm holding tightly, God, to the fact that you said your Holy Spirit would fill me and reside in me. I'm holding tightly to the fact that you revealed yourself to be the Lord, my healer, my healer. I hold tightly right now that you said, Jesus, you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always till the end of the age. I'm holding tightly to the reality of heaven that one day when I breathe my last, I will breathe for all eternity in your presence. Hallelujah. I'm holding tightly to the hope I affirm. Say it again. I'm holding tightly to the hope I affirm. Amen. Somebody say amen. Somebody else said, he's crazy. I don't care. I'm holding tightly to the hope I affirm. Let us hold tightly to the hope that we affirm. You know what? If you want to stay passive, if you want to be a, a, a casual observer of his spiritual life, you could do that. Or you could decide, no, I'm stepping in. I'm going to walk into an activation of an experience of, of my spirit coming alive within me. Even if it means I do something crazy like, oh, I'm holding tightly, I'll do it. I'll do it because I'm finding life. I've got to keep reading. Verse 24 says, let us. Everybody say, let us. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us, think of, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think about, like imagine, daydream, come up with ideas, plans, those good, positive, heavenly schemes and strategies. Let us think of ways. Do, do you know that God looks at you and says, yeah, yeah, it's not only about you. It's about those people over there. It's about her. It's about them. It's about that guy that you... Keep on ignoring. Why don't you think about ways you could motivate her, him, them to love, to love and good deeds. Love. Motivate to love. Motivate to love. This week I was talking to a brother in this church. His name's Ron. And we were talking about his life. And, and you know, I was just thanking him because he... He's retired, and he just spends so much of his heart and his time and his energy just serving, volunteering in our church to make things better in this body. It's a beautiful gift. And, and I was saying, man, you had so much success in business, and you, know, you did so much uh, great business over the years. And he kind of stopped me as we were talking on the phone, and he said, yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, what, I, what, what I'll tell you, John, is that after 30, 40 years in business and all, and all of that happened, it's all gone now. And I actually wrote down what he was saying next because it, it, it just it, it made a, an impression on me. He said, after 40 years in business, I can tell you all that stuff is gone. In this season of my life, he said to me, I've realized that at the core, what matters most is loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving my neighbor as myself. That is success. To love like that, that is success, is what he said. To love like that, that is success. It just reframed things for me. I mean, listening to somebody who's got a few decades on me and doing it right and saying, to love like that, that's success. 
I, I hope that that would be a contagious thought for us and, and that we would recognize that loving includes motivating each other towards love and good works. And sometimes motivating somebody towards love means helping somebody begin to walk in, in, in a deeper measure of forgiveness. Sometimes motivating someone to love looks like you coming alongside of them when they've got a dream growing in their heart and helping them see ways that they could get there. Sometimes motivating somebody towards love and good works looks like you coming alongside somebody and, and with gently sort of correcting, saying, hey, you know, we've been missing you, and you're meant to be a part of this thing with us, motivating one another. I want us to take that to heart. God's looking at you and saying, you know what? You're actually my plan for how things are going to get better for her and him and them. It's you. But if you bail... If you're gone, it's going to be a little less of that goodness flowing, or I'll find somebody else. This, this is what we're made for. Let me keep reading. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do. Oh, let me just say that one again. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Join me. Why don't you just say that one out loud? Ready? Go. Say it. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. You know why the scripture says, let us not neglect our meeting together? As some people do, because there is such a tendency to do exactly that. All of a sudden, we find ourselves going, eh, paddleboarding is more fun. I may or may not have heard that from somebody recently. I've got other interests, and besides that one, that one gal at that group, I mean, she just goes on and on and on. I don't even get an edge word, a word in edgewise anyway, so forget it. Or you know what, I don't want to go to those services anymore. I mean, that pastor, I keep on hearing him say all these silly illustrations about how using screws and uh, nails and not screws and building walls, and I don't care. I don't relate to that stuff, you know. <laughs> but in the end, God, by his spirit, is saying to each one of us, let us not neglect it. It matters more than you know. It does something inside of you that can't be replicated. I got a letter this week from, uh, from, from a family that had gone missing from our church for a couple years. And then recently, they, they, they were here again. And this brother just wanted to say to me, just want to let you know kind of why. And he sent me just a simple email, but explained, you know, why a couple years ago, I mean, the trials and the struggles just got so severe. It just knocked them this way and that. And that was part of why they weren't around and uh, but then he explained how it, they, they were doing some fellowship, like in the family room or in the backyard with, with family or friends, and it was okay, it was good, but, but that they knew there was more. And in, in fact, it was their daughter, their teenage daughter, who said, we need to go back to Centerpoint Church. And he said, so we, we came back, and you've seen us. And he wrote these words to me. He said, the moment we stepped back inside Centerpoint, we could feel the tangible presence of God. What a comfort that was to our spirits. It, and in some of our lives, I think we need to gain a new appreciation for just what exactly is going on when we come together. 
Because when we come together and there's intentionality in our focus, we're inviting an anointing from the presence of God onto our lives. You have stepped into these doors, and it wasn't just for a group gathering. It is not just for a clever sermon. It isn't just for some pretty songs. It's because there's a palpable sense of the presence of God dwelling and moving, and it stirs something up inside of you that needs to be stirred up. And you don't have to come to church to be a Christian. Nobody said amen because you're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's what I actually think, though. <laughs> No, but most of you, you're here, but you don't. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't. And somebody wise observed, and you don't have to go home to be married. Let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> There's something about what happens when this family is gathered together that is not replicable anywhere else. And, and you and I were meant to experience this, this, this sense of the fire beginning to catch in our spirit because God is moving and we're in the midst of it all. And, and you, you, can't, you can't make that up. You can lean into it and be present for it and be a part of it and experience that burning of the spirit within you too. That's what you can do. And it is what you're actually made for and it's what Jesus modeled I wonder if maybe part of the reason why we end up neglecting our meeting together is because the reason that we started gathering together was a little skewed. Like, for example, maybe we, we started gathering together more because of, uh, of a crisis in our lives than because we needed Christ and wanted to adore him. You know what I mean? Like, uh, some, a husband, you know, steals something, and the wife is upset, and then as a family, well, let's go back to church. And then for a good few weeks, here we are, we're in church, because I'm trying to get out of the doghouse, so we're in church. That wasn't, that's not a, a reason to stay. Sometimes the reason why we neglect our meeting together is because uh, we got caught up in offendedness rather than being caught up in the awe of God. We heard something we just didn't like, we were upset about, and we went with that. And we went. And sometimes the, the reason that we neglect meeting together is because we've simply given in to the, the schemes of the devil, and we've gotten ourselves into a pit, and, and we, we feel ashamed of how we got there and what's going on in there, and we believe the lie that we're not welcome back in the family of God anymore because of it. But I'm here to dis dissuade you of that lie right now, to tell you no matter what you've come through and what pits you might have landed in, there is a goodness and a grace of God together in the family of God. And there are people here ready to love you and hold you up and help you get back to your place. That's what we yearn for. It's what we yearn for. Jesus modeled a value for gathering. Think about it. Jesus, if there was anyone who could have done the spiritual life alone and not needed anybody else, it'd be Jesus. But Jesus demonstrated, modeling for us how valuable it is. And so he gathered the, the three or so, the, the James and, and John and Peter, the ones that he could trust at the closest level. He, he had those, he had the 12 or 12 or so, as you do the count, that, that broader community of close ones. And, and then he had the, the 70 that did missions trips together. And then he had the hundreds. And, and, and then he, he did the synagogue thing. He, he went to and taught in synagogue, our Savior Jesus. And a synagogue at that time would be a place where there'd be a couple hundred people gathering. And Jesus demonstrated 
demonstrated that's valuable. I'm showing up for it. I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to be there so faithfully that when it's my turn, they'll give me the scroll to teach. And, and, and Jesus demonstrated a value for larger gatherings too, teaching at the temple courts where, where there's 500 to 2,000 people gathering at the temple courts. And Jesus was a part of that, making it happen. Jesus demonstrated a value for big old gatherings, having conferences in the mountainside where it said 5,000 people were fed because they came. Do you, do you see all of the layers of connection that Jesus modeled? Then let me ask you, are you a follower of Jesus? then you should look for the ways to follow him into those kinds of experiences of his people and the community he founded. And I hope that that's beginning to happen in your life right here, right here. Hebrews 25, uh, the second part of it, it says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Why don't you read that verse with me? Ready, go. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There's something that you and I are meant to do for each other. And if we're not a part of the mix, it just won't happen to the degree it should. Encourage one another. Say it with me. Encourage one another. You know, this, uh, this last week, I, I opened the front door, and there was a, a gift on the front porch. It was such a nice surprise. But basically what happened is, you know, my, my wife in this last couple months, I mean, she's running 100 miles an hour. She's teaching a class on Monday nights and doing prayer sessions on Tuesday and Wednesday nights and doing another class that she's leading and being a part of on Thursdays and, and then uh, doing prophetic stuff on Saturday morning and running, running, running. And she's given a lot. And there was one friend in her life, a sister in our church that, you know, saw that and recognized how much she's putting out there and, and just dropped a gift off at our house. And you know what it was? It was a plant. If you know my wife, you'd go, huh. <laughs> but it was a certain kind of plant. It was called like an easy ZZ plant. And meaning, this is one plant where you only have to water it like once every five or six weeks, and it'll still be fine. It'll live through whatever that you don't give to it. It's a, it was the perfect gift for my wife. Like, you can't kill this plant. Some of you are like, should we laugh right now? <laughs> but it was really a thoughtful gift. It was this friend who understands, no, Ann Hansen doesn't have a green thumb, but I'm going to give or something that she can work with anyway. And this woman knew, she, because she'd been alongside my wife, she knew how much she'd been giving and how much she needed just a little bit of encouragement. And that, that encouragement showed up. Let me tell you something about this word encouragement. When it says encourage each other, do you know that the word that's used here is this word parakaluntis, from the word parakaleo? Ah, some of you who've been around church for a while you're going, wait, this sounds familiar. Probably because you heard somebody teach about the Holy Spirit and told you that the name of the Holy Spirit in Greek language from the teaching of Jesus is parakaletos. It's literally the same word. It's the same root word anyway. And, and it's God revealing that, that you are invited to participate in the deep work of the Holy Spirit to bring comfort, strength, and help to somebody else, and to receive that yourself. And that is what you are called to do. That word literally means to come alongside, to be right there next to, to walk in stride with. Who are you doing that with who's part of this church body? And how could you do it at an even deeper level? Some of us were going, but I am the one who needs that. 
that I'm going to ask you, okay, number one, have you stepped into the kinds of community experiences that we've been talking about the last four weeks where where you could be close enough to to get it? A step further, have you gone beyond assuming that people can read your mind? Because sometimes we need to say, hey, I'm kind of hurting. I need some encouragement. That's basically what happened for me on Monday night when I chose to be vulnerable, say what was really going on. And it invited this sweet move of the spirit through a group of people to say, man, we'll be there. We're going to lift you up. We're going to pray for you. We're going to care about you and what's going on. It's what we're made for. I'll wrap up with this one more time. Hebrews 10, 23. It said, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I'm going to say that one more time. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. God can be trusted to keep his promises. The hope is something that we get to hold tightly to. And for many of us as believers, you've been reminded today just how valuable that hope is and it's time again to hold it even more tightly still. For somebody else, this is what you get invited to do. You get in, invited to, to grab hold of this hope that we have in Jesus. And for somebody, today's the day to once and for all open your heart to the hope that is available through Jesus Christ. To recognize in a moment in time that the rescuing hand of God reaching into your life and to grab hold. <laughs> Literally in this moment, something's taking place in the unseen realm. And that is that Jesus, the rescuer, is on the move to rescue you from the despair and hopelessness and emptiness and the destructiveness of what's gotten a hold of you. And today is the day of salvation for somebody. It's the day for you to once and for all offer your heart to Jesus to say, would you forgive my sin and save my life? Nobody else can do that for you, but you can do it. Today can be the day that you ask him to forgive your sin and save your life. And so we're going to take a moment and pray together right now. And as we pray, I'm asking God to do a spiritual awakening for somebody. So let's do it. Let's take a few minutes to just be in God's presence. And first of all, Heavenly Father, we make this declaration to you. I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. I'm committed to that. I'm not saying I feel like I do it right all the time. I probably miss it. I probably could do it better, but I'm committed to that, God. I'm committed to building stronger community with my spiritual family. If it's authentic for you, if if you're joining me in that posture of saying, I am committed to that. I, I need to grow in it. I don't do it great, but I'm committed to it. Would you just say this with me? I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. Say it again with me. I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to do this. Because for some of us, it's because we need to be there for a few other people that are going to need your goodness to flow through us to them. For some of us, it's because there's things that that are going to happen in our lives a few paces down the road where we're going to need them. We're going to need some arms to hold us up. 
For others of us, it's because there's some dreams that are about to finally come to fruition that we're going to want to have some people to celebrate it with. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this moment of, of commitment. I'm committed to building strong community with my spiritual family. This will not just be an event that I attend. This will be a family that I lock arms with. God, I pray that you would create that. That can only come from you, Holy Spirit. I pray you'd do that in us. I pray, Father, for a spiritual awakening for salvation right now. While we're praying together, it might just be that, that you heard this whole talk, but something inside of you is just simply saying, you're going, I don't know where I stand with God. I don't even know if I'm right with God. There is one way to be right with God, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the one who makes any of us right with God. And for somebody, what you need to do now is to say yes to Jesus, the one and only one who can make you right with God. And why you're here is so that your heart could come awake and alive to the reality that you need Jesus. And this is the moment where you turn from your sin and you ask him to forgive you and save you. So Lord, I pray for that spiritual awakening right here and right now. Father, I pray that you would allow some of us to wake up to our need for you, even in this very moment. So while we're praying, if you are sitting here thinking and saying to yourself, I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and save my life. I want to be saved. I want his gift of salvation. He's offering it to you, and it's time for you to receive it. If you want to receive the gift of the forgiveness of your sins, salvation through Jesus Christ, you're finally ready to say, yes, Jesus, I'm, I need you. Would you forgive me and save me? Right now, I want you to raise your hand really high with me. Just raise it up as a, a way of finally indicating, I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and save my life and raise it up really high and keep it up way in the back over here on my left. Thank you. That's awesome. Both of you. Excellent. Anyone else? I want to make sure I don't miss you. You raise your hand up really high. Let it be known over in my right in the back. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And with your hand raised, you could just pray right now and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I turn from my sin. I ask you to forgive my sin and save my life. Jesus, I believe that you conquered death, and I'm asking you to come in to my life and make me new, make me whole. Jesus, save me. You're my Lord and my Savior from this moment on. Jesus, I receive your gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord. 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 I want you to just sing the verse of that song we were singing earlier about the, the birth of the church and just get us thinking about that again. In the church of Christ was born, then a spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth the world shall not need, shall not fade. Yeah. By his blood and in his name, yeah, you, in his freedom I am free. Yeah. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected Okay, all right. Everybody stand up together. I want you to stand up, and I want you to think about what we were just singing. We're just proclaiming this truth of what God did. What he did was to put you together with his other sons and daughters so that you would have a strength that is able to flow into you not only this way, but this way. And he is continuing to bring that 
power of his through this community. Let's just declare it one more time. That church was born. Sing it out. And the church of Christ was born. Then the spirit lit the flame. Keep burning. Now this gospel truth of all shall not need, shall not fade. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who is resurrected. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray in this moment, while, while we're beginning to experience more of your presence, Lord, I pray for a wave of resurrection power to move all throughout this experience, even outside, even at home, God. I pray for a, a wave of resurrection power to just begin shaking, moving in us, God. I pray and I pray prophetically right now, God, that that resurrection power that we're singing about is working, it's working in us. Somebody, right now, you are being broken free from addiction. For somebody else, right now, this is the moment where the power of heaven is being released into your body and the diagnosis that brings death is being defeated by the Jesus Christ King and Savior who kicked death for you. I declare prophetically right now that for somebody, the burden of oppression, oppression and demonic affliction is being broken even right now. I believe right now for the power of God to come and to bring new life to the dreams that have gotten dust covered over them. Right now, if you're asking God for a touch on your life, would you just right now cry out and say, God, I need you. Say, God, I need you. God, I need your touch on my life, on my body, on my mind, on my dreams, on my hopes, and I'm holding on to what you can do and what I believe you will do, God. I praise you and I honor you. I give you glory. I give you thanks in this moment, Lord. I give you praise, Jesus. We're just going to sing this out strong. Sing, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. You're the God of glory majesty praise forever to the king of kings praise the father sing it out praise the father you are king 